We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name, as always, is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. I do it for you. I don't do it for anybody else. I certainly don't do it for the paycheck. That's for sure. I'm doing it for you guys, especially after this season where we develop this tight-knit bond. It's for you folks. That's why I'm here. And we got a little newsy news, like a little news podcast, a little pleasant, nothing too crazy, maybe even on the positive side, might not even be a long podcast. I feel like every time I say that, it ends up being a long podcast because I can't shut the hell up. But, excuse me, had to do a little throat throat clear there. Um, I mean, we'll see. I I have no idea how long this podcast will be. I have my topics in front of me. Uh, We'll see how long I can ramble on about each given thing. I will tell you one thing about rambling, though, and this uh, this this small, in, you know, in invaluable segment is dedicated to uh, the Omar Figs. Twitter announced today that anyone that subscribes to Twitter Blue has access to way more words. I don't even know technically how many characters it is, but it's a lot. They just posted a big word wall that just says more words over and over and over. And I, and I quote tweeted and quote tweeted it and said, if any of y'all use this much text are getting muted. And one of the first replies is from our own Omar figs saying, unless they're takeaways, right? I'm telling you right now, next season, you're all weird enough for paying for a check mark to begin with. Um, but if you take it up another notch, and send me a takeaway that's 500 words long. I ain't reading it. I'm not even reading half of it. I'm not even reading the first part of it. So I understand that being on here and mentioning this is only opening up the flood floodgates for incredibly long takeaways. And maybe if they've got some humor involved, I'll have to read them. But if any of y'all send me an 800-word essay as your takeaway, 
y'all are going to have to uh, to start your own podcast and read it yourself because there ain't no way we're getting through everybody's takeaways if they're all a thousand words. Okay, we need to chill on that. I don't. I don't necessarily think there was a ton of people in our our post game takeaways that had uh, little paid for check marks, but um, I'm just telling you right now, if you go that route, we're gonna have problems. Okay, don't be sending me no word walls. It's hard enough to get through all those take throughs at takeaways that it is. But that being said, still appreciate them. They're still they're still the greatest. Okay, y'all are still the greatest. But hey, let's work through it. Lots of news again. This could be a really short pod. I I honestly don't know. Um, I keep saying that, and, and which just means it's going to be long. But maybe it won't be. We were just kind of blessed with a week where you know the 49ers aren't in the spotlight. Now, obviously, everybody would prefer that they were in the spotlight because that would mean they're playing in the Super Bowl. But and and the 49ers didn't find a way to you know nothing insane happened, nothing crazy happened. It just, you know, was a rare week where the 49ers were in the news, but not in, in the news a lot and in the in the way that was, you know, and negative in any sense, which I don't even mean negative, just significant is probably the best way of putting it. It just seems like there's always something going on in this team. It's a blessing and it's a curse, but let's get into it. The 49ers have a new defensive coordinator. They have hired former Panthers interim head coach Steve Wilkes, who took over for that team after the 49ers whipped that ass and got Matt Rule fired. So now the 49ers have their new defensive coordinator. In the in the short list of candidates that were talked about as far as being of interest to the 49ers, I would say Steve Wilkes was right up there with Vic Fangio as far as just, I'd say, how much the person's respected. Um, their experience in the league. Steve Wilkes has nearly 20 years of experience in the NFL. Started things off as a defensive backs coach, which will obviously help the 49ers a little bit too. But very well respected, very experienced. You can tell that the players that he coaches uh, respect him. Uh, Brian Burns had some, uh, the Panthers pass rusher had some good things to say about Wilkes. Uh, and, and mainly focused on his personality and his his ability to lead, his ability to bring out the best in people, his, you know, just more focused, just as much focused on the people aspect of football, which you would be surprised how far that goes. That's probably, Kyle Shanahan is a little bit of an exception, even though he does seem like he does well with people. But to me, a, a quality head coach, you ha- still have to know football down to your core, but you become more of like a leader of men than you are a coordinator, you know, an offensive def- def- defensive coordinator. And like I said, that's what co- makes Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan the, exp- the exception is that he has to still have that coordinator role and be a leader of men, which it, it seems like he does well. But I've been hearing a lot of that about Steve Wilkes and the type of person he is. And what's interesting is, yes, he's stepping in as the coordinator, but he's also stepping in of uh, to be the coordinator of a group that is uh, it's a well-oiled machine. The best thing that I can relate to is when I was in the military, I was an officer, meaning you come in, you're in charge of a platoon, which is about forty guys, um, led by senior NCOs, and NCOs are non-commissioned officers that have worked their way up from from the very bottom, from the private ranks. 
very experienced guys. And, you know, they always tell you one of the worst things you could do as a new young officer is come in and act like everything you know is goes. Everything you, everything you know is right. Everything you say goes. You know, you kind of have to step in in a way. And, you know, if you ha- I've, I've honestly identified a problem, you still got to fix it. But in a way, you kind of have to step in and see how the machine runs and see how smoothly everything operates before you just start putting your foot down on everything. And to me, that's a little bit of what Steve Wilkes is going to have to do in the 49ers defense. Most of the, a good amount of the assistants um, should still be there, including Chris Kosurek, the defensive line coach, who uh, who passed up an opportunity to go to the Texans with D'Amico Ryans. He's going to stay with the 49ers. I figured that would be the case. We talked about it on last week's pod. Chris Kosurek is like, you know, like, he is 100% made to do what he does. You know, after they they poured Chris Kosurek, they broke the mold. Okay? After they created a, a, the, the, the Chris Kosurek that the 49ers have, they broke the mold and could no longer create any Chris Kosureks. Okay, that, that man is 100% built to do what he does. All you have to do is be there at practice and watch him coach, and you can tell that he is in his happy place. And I'm sure the 49ers are compensating him accordingly. Um, but I also think there's a big part of Kasurik that wants to remain where he is. So um, Steve Wilkes will have the benefit of having him underneath him and a lot of experienced coordinators that can just help him acclimate to that new setting. Now, it's uh, Wilkes is very experienced. He's been a defensive coordinator before. Um, he was Carolina's DC in like, like 17. I want to think of it. It's say it was did well. Um, he's been a, a Cardinals head coach in 2018. That didn't go well. But if you look at that team and the situation he stepped into, uh, being Josh Rosen, I think his rookie year, there was no way that was going to go well. I think they still managed to beat the 49ers that year. Um, but think about the where the 49ers were in 2018. Jimmy Garoppolo was recovering from a torn ACL. Not a lot of good going on there for the 49ers. Um, so Steve Rule, a lot of experience. And even his past experience and success as a coordinator or head coach or position coach, what have you, really, you know, and it establishes a baseline of experience. But what he's stepping into with the 49ers is nothing like he's ever coached before. You have You have players on this team that, know what the expectations are they're probably very self-driven I'm you know you've got a guy like Fred Warner who could probably take on the coordinator role himself though just with the way he knows that defense you know you're talking about a team that's got a defense that's got Eric Armstead Nick Bosa Fred Warner Dre Greenlaw uh Charvarius Ward uh we'll see if Jimmy Ward's coming back Talano Hufonga all of these guys that have been there and done that in this defense and are ready to do it again. And I don't think that Steve Wilkes is really going to have too much trouble pointing this defense in the right direction. Now, again, you still have to scheme it up. You still have to be in, you know, give offenses the right looks and put yourselves in position to succeed. Um, but Wilkes is very familiar with this style of 4-3 defense. Um, it's what he's preferred in the past. I could see him stepping in and just keeping this unit maintaining the status quo, which is all he needs to do. You know, he doesn't need to reinvent the wheel. He doesn't need to try to change things too much. Obviously, you don't want to get in a rut to where uh, offenses can start figuring out the way you do everything. But he's just stepping into an ideal situation 
Now, the, the 49ers are going to have some roster turnover. You're looking at Aziz Alshair. Um, Jimmy Ward may not be there. I don't know what the deal is going to be with Tashawn Gibson, who kind of stepped in and, and took that role and ran with it. So you're going to have some turnover. Are they going to bring back Santi Nebucom? I don't know. We'll see. So there's, it's not like it's going to be 100% the same group, but he's stepping into a spot that really the only way the alarm can go off is if this defense takes a pretty significant step backwards from like, you know, a top five unit to a top, you know, a middle of the road unit, you know, that would kind of be like, whoa, come on. You haven't lost that many players here. Um, and you, you got to think about kind of just the history of this position and, and where it got to where it is today. Robert Sala came in. He inherited just, I mean, along with Kyle Shanahan, an abysmal defense, you know, along with the rest of the roster. I think the 49ers defense was like 27th before Sala got there. Once they built that roster up, then Sala started to, uh, to, to, to take it and run with it. And that's why he became a head coach. And then obviously things went well immediately for D'Amico Ryans. And that's why he's a head coach now. And now Wilkes takes over and I could see him very easily working his way back into coaching consideration. He's in his low fifties. So it's not like he wants to be a defensive coordinator and, and just kind of right off into the sunset. At least it wouldn't seem that way. Um, so he's got an opportunity now to, like I said, maintain what this group has built, which I can see that being not easy by any stretch of the imagination. It's, it's, you know, King of the Hill. It's not hard. It's, it's very hard to stay at the top, but uh, to maintaining a very successful defense and he's got the experience to do it. It seems like he's got the personality to do it. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how he does, if anything looks different and uh, if there is any sort of a drop off. Um, but if things go well, if he stays with the 49ers for two years, which is the rule, and then does get another head coaching job, it'll get the 49ers more third round draft picks. I don't know if it's one or two. Um, the 49ers have gotten so many of those compensatory picks from uh, minority coaching staff hires that I, I don't know if they're just stacking one pick now or if they add one this year and one in the future. I don't know. I've seen that phrase so many different ways those third round picks from coaches. Um, but just know the 49ers are doing the right thing and they're getting draft picks for it. So I, I think that Steve Wilkes, my thoughts, great hire, somebody that can step in and recognize what's going on there. Um, that's not going to have too big of a head to feel like he needs to put his own twists and turns on things. Um, will know how to take advantage of the talent. I think that's one of the biggest things that comes with experience in this league is knowing the difference between having talent and taking advantage of it. You know, are you going to put a guy like Nick Bosa in the absolute best position to do what he does best? You know, are you going to keep Eric Armstead in, in that interior position where he's commonly just making a huge difference, whether it's on the stat sheet or not? So it's, it's those things that I think that Wilkes has the experience to recognize. I'm sure that Kyle Shanahan had a respect for him long before they'd had the phone calls about this, this position. You know, even the 49ers faced uh, the Panthers um, earlier this year, you know, and, and I'm sure that Kyle Shanahan, when game planning for the Panthers defense, although I don't think Wilkes was just straight up the the, the defensive coordinator this year. I think he was like a, a quality control, something I could have very easily looked up, but you know what I mean? I, I think that Kyle Shanahan probably um, had him on a, on a short list 
for for some time. Uh, you know, and as D'Amico Ryan's got a, a ton of looks last year, so he probably uh, had to start that type of preparation already. So good hire. Um, somebody that I think will be able to maintain what this defense is built and maybe bring his own flavor to it. And, and there's always a chance that he could make it a little bit better. Now, would we be able to recognize that? I don't know because they were so damn good last year, but, um, interesting, interesting. Uh, the other and more recent news, but, um, you know, it's something that we've been discussing is Brock Purdy has elected to have show, uh, surgery on his injured elbow, but, it is not the official Tommy John labeled reconstruction surgery. He is getting that um, injury repaired, not reconstructed. They're doing it on February 21st. Um, Texas Rangers surgeon Keith Meister, apparently a big name in the old Tommy John elbow world. Um, he's a you know he's a surgeon for a baseball team that deals with arm injuries like that all the time. Um, he's going to be doing the surgery on February 22nd. The, the timeline is now six months is is the recovery timeline. And it's kind of an interesting recovery timeline. Purdy's going to start throwing at like three months, uh, which will give the 49ers and him plenty of time. Not It's not about being 100%. It's about the injury being fully healed, him being on the right path to recovery. And the timeline will shift from there. It could go sooner, could go later. But at that three-month mark, you really have a good idea of how things have gone and what he's capable of. Now, there's still plenty of physical therapy before that, but he's on the six-month timeline, which, I mean, you take it from here, we're at, uh, I don't know, early, we'll just say mid-February for the sake of simplicity. Um, One month takes us to March, April, May, June, July, August, somewhere late July, mid-August. That's... That's definitely before the season. I mean, let me. Did I skip a month? End of March, April, May, June, July is five months. Mid August is six months. So, training camp starts late July. Could Purdy be ahead of schedule and and be near that that the beginning of training camp? Yes. Could he be behind schedule and be closer to the start of the regular season and missing the entire preseason? Yes. So, these things are fluid. Um, there's no like. Time, there's not going to be a time when Purdy magically wakes up and is like, Coach, I'm good to go. Um, he has to work his way back up to it. And it's not like Purdy is known for his arm strength. Like he's going to have to take some time to make sure that he gets back to what he was last season. I don't know if this is one of those. There are some injuries where I think they said it with Jimmy Garoppolo's shoulder surgery that the amount of rehab you have to do on that injury, there's there's good odds that you end up stronger than you were before just based on the intensity of the rehab and how much focused rehabilitation is on that part of the body. So um, I don't know if that's the case with this 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 surgery. I, I do not at all. He could end up like rookie of the year where he just stands back there, locks his arm backwards and fires it forward, um, starts breaking wide receiver's fingers. But eventually you know that he'll have to start underhanding the football, which the 49ers would not appreciate. So that that uh that possibility doesn't work out but uh throwing after 3 months recovered but likely not full go by training camp you know the 49ers will have a good idea by training camp how his recovery is going but he likely won't be ready to roll he could um to me from everything i've heard it sounds like week 1 why did i i like heard myself say to me right there and it sounded like super awkward like i went into a a different tone 
But you know what? I'm going to say this. I don't think I took my allergy pills today, so I could be a tad bit more nasally than I usually am. And I'm coaching baseball now. I'm out there on the grass working with them kids. So if I am a bit more Kermany today than I usually am, which we know is very significant, um, I apologize. That's my own ignorance. Um, the the missus is is out of town, and she basically maintains me. Uh, I am an, a grown man that's incapable of maintaining himself. So I uh, pass the blame on to her. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. Um, and I guess, you know, kind of blending this conversation into the Trey Lance, this leaves the door wide open, not necessarily for Trey Lance to just outright take the job from Brock, Brock Purdy, because Purdy was so good to close out last year, last season, this season, whichever you want to call it. Technically it's not over that. I, I feel like Trey Lance would have to become, you know, Thanos with all the infinity stones for the 49ers to say, okay, maybe we should give Trey Lance a shot here. I don't necessarily think that's a reality, but I do feel like Trey Lance can give the 49ers something to think about. You know, I think that, the, you know, all of the offseason program, the beginning of training camp, I don't know how much of training camp or if any, if Purdy's going to be back for. All of that is going to be ran primarily by Trey Lance. And the 49ers are better for it. Lance getting all those reps sets the 49ers up with just more stability. They saw what Purdy could do on a very short notice. So there's nothing to say that Purdy won't be able to come right back in and, and look how he did this year. If, if not better, as long as the elbow heals correctly. But this leaves room for Lance to get reps, to rebuild familiarity with both the offense in action and the players. It just makes things interesting, and you know it, it, this this kind of before we before we move fully onto Lance, which is where we're about to go. ESPN just recently did a redraft of the 2022 NFL draft, and Brock Purdy they they selected Brock Purdy fourth overall to the Jets. Now that is it's fantasy; it's not real. It's definitely meant to garner attention, but that would tell you about what the outside world thinks about what they saw from Purdy. To think that if we were magically transported back a year, knowing everything we know from this season, that Purdy would go fourth overall or could go fourth overall. I mean, that's cool. That's kind of crazy. So, anyways, the door's wide open for Lance. He can reestablish himself both as a quarterback that this league wants to take interest in. He can establish himself as a quarterback within the 49ers offense that can that they can win with. And he can establish himself as genuine competition for Brock Purdy. Now, Purdy would still be the favorite. I still believe the 49ers would kind of, unless they saw something drastically different, would kind of say, okay, let's start giving Purdy the first team reps. But there's still room to grow for Lance. There's still, like, he still has has, has uh, clout to build within that organization. And I think that if he has a great offseason, he, uh, he could just put the 49ers in a great place of having what they believe are two great starting quarterbacks. We know that for the 49ers, that's not enough. They need 14 great starting quarterbacks. Um, or at the very least, we know they need four. They 
They had three last year, and four was too many. So the 49ers are now on. Everybody always talks about the quest for six. They're really on the quest for four. They need four good starting quarterbacks. You know, they need to hide that secret from the rest of the league and just have their four starting quarterbacks. That way, they can do what they did this year in every way, shape, or form, lose three quarterbacks and still be okay. I don't know if they can hold a fifth. I don't, that might be asking too much, but we know now, based on this season, that they need four quality quarterbacks at that position. Okay. We all know this. It's why it's accepted fact. Trey Lance was recently on the Rich Eisen show, who, by the way, Rich Eisen is probably one of my absolute favorite NFL personalities. I just love everything about him. I love the way he conducts himself. He's always classy. He's always intelligent. He's always willing to have any type of conversation or embrace any reality. He was one of the people that was constantly talking about why can't Brock Purdy win Offensive Player of the Year. You know, and it's not like like pounding the table saying he should, but the way he talks about football, I love it. He is an absolute professional. And I mean, it tells you how 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 tight his grasp is on the NFL that he would have Trey Lance on his show to talk about Lance and what he's been through you know it just kind of his 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 the way he presents his information his show is absolutely fantastic and the way he presents his information just has a little bit more depth you know and he's he's thought out everything he says it's just i can ramble on and on he's just great at what he does he had Trey Lance on and Trey Lance talked about the fact that the mo- after he had his first surgery, he's had two if you didn't know, he immediately inherited uh, a role within the quarterback room and for Shanahan studying opposing defenses on base downs. I believe that's what he said he did. Studying coverages, pressures, blitzes, the looks that Purdy would be getting on base downs from the opposing team. So that was Lance's role, which is it's great to hear because that's pushing his as they say, mentals, to a further point, advancing Trey Lance's uh, intellectual ability when it comes to football, um, even though he can't play. So it was good to hear that he had such an involved role in the offense, despite the fact that he could do nothing. He couldn't play. Um, But I thought that was cool to hear. What I liked from Trey Lance is he seemed to have a firm grasp of reality and the way shit is. Because one of the first things he said was I understand that Purdy has done enough to earn that starting role. The, he, he didn't even seem like he was bullshitting anyone about it. He seemed Trey Lance seemed very straightforward. Oh, by the way, Rich Eisen Show podcast or its Twitter handle um, has clips of this interview. Um, go there, and uh, I'm assuming you can find it on the podcast, or maybe there's a longer version of that same interview also on Rich Eisen's YouTube. Um, which is where I watch a lot of his stuff. But it was clear, anyways, back to Lance, that Lance was very aware of the fact that Purdy played outstanding and should be considered the favorite for that role. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. There was It was an extremely well-worded answer from Lance, and he just basically said, like, dude, Purdy came in and lit it up, balled out. He deserves to be the guy. And it was almost like, Lance was basically saying, like, I, I, why would I deserve to be the guy 
I played one and one and a quarter games. He didn't say that, but you could tell that he was very in touch with the idea that he's not owed anything, which despite being a very high draft pick with a lot of draft capital behind that selection, he's still correct. You're not owed anything. The ultimate goal in the NFL is to win. And if your mystery relevant seventh round draft pick gives you a better chance to win than the guy that you spent, um, you know, two first round picks to trade up for, then that's the way it's got to be because winning is the ultimate goal. Now, is that an indictment on a front office? I don't necessarily think so because of the way everything's unfolded. Um, one, there's a hell of a lot of luck. There's a hell of a lot of just, you know, a fate involved. <laughs> um, but Trey was very well aware of the situation he's in. And then he just said, I just want an opportunity to compete. I just want to be able to go in there, show them what I can do, and maybe give Purdy a run for his money. And I just loved hearing that because it just seemed so grounded in reality. He wasn't bullshitting himself. He hadn't built himself up to be something that he's not. It was just very clear to me that Lance had a firm grasp of the situation and was ready to do what he had to do to give the 49ers something to think about, which is I can't wait to see. Because one thing I can't stand to see on social media, which is like Dave Chappelle said, I heard they drug me on Twitter, but I don't give a shit because Twitter's not a real place. And that could never be more true when it comes to how negative people can be. You know, I hate hearing the negativity toward Trey Lance, who has done nothing wrong, who has not even like the dude broke his ankle in this, his second game of this first season as a starter. Like that dude still has so much to prove to this team and to this NFL and to himself. And if people act like he's done something wrong, people act like he he has busted or failed to prove himself. The dude hasn't had an opportunity to do that. And it, it just blows my mind how quickly people are racing to, oh, well, Trey Lance is a thing of the past. Now, I, I again, I, I do think that Purdy has the very clear upper hand. But there is still a reality where Lance it just ignites into a prospect the 49ers hoped he would become and really presents the 49ers with a good problem. And maybe Trey Lance has such a great offseason that they, they they start doing like uh, Kyle Shanahan's forced to find a way to get Lance out on the field and, and do the two-quarterback system that he seemed to kind of hate, you know, when, when it was him and Jimmy. So uh, there are just – there are so many possibilities out there. Trey Lance could light it up enough to where a team comes in and says, look, we're under the gun. We don't like our quarterbacks. We will give you our first rounder for Trey. And that still leaves the 49ers two first rounders short. But, you know, there's just so many possibilities and nobody should be writing off anything with Trey Lance. If anything, just given his personality and how classy he is and how intelligent he is for a young man, you should be rooting for him and and just to to hit his ceiling, to exceed expectations, whether that's to become the 49ers outstanding backup or to push Brock Purdy for a starting spot and possibly take it from him. There are, you know, and, and what if there's a reality where Purdy's injury doesn't um, go as planned and, you know, I'm knocking on wood for you because I no one wants that for anybody. But there are so there's so much to be gained by Lance still developing and playing well uh, that it, people just I see way t- too many people um kind of writing off writing that off as if it doesn't add, matter anymore 
And I'm telling you, it matters a lot. The 49ers season tells you how much it matters. Trey Lance being good uh, tremendously helps the 49ers, whether he's on this squad or not, um, which I think he will be. But man, you want to see Lance ball out. You want to hear about him balling out. You want to hear how well he's done in the offseason. Um, you know, he's only a few weeks away from being fully cleared, I believe. So, and right now, he once he's fully cleared, and he's not there yet, but he'll be the only 49ers quarterback that's healthy that, that they would feel comfortable plugging in as the starter. So, you know, you should be on Team Trey Lance, and that doesn't mean you're not on Team Brock Purdy or whoever else but you should definitely be firmly aboard the Trey Lance hype train because him being good and, and continuing to develop does nothing but help this team. Um, kind of, I mean, in that same veil, uh, Steve Young was recent, did a recent interview on KPix, uh, one little segment that I caught on the uh, SF Niners YouTube channel. Um, was just a real quick s- snippet of Steve Young interviewing on KPix, and he's, you know, he started out by saying that he just loves everything about this team. He loves the defense. He loves the offense. He loves the coaching. He loves the, the, the locker room dynamics. He loves the way this team handles diverse, diversity. And a lot of what he said was just right on the money. Obviously, getting into the quarterbacks, he said Trey Lance has to be plan A right now. The 49ers have to invest in him uh, as if he's the starting quarterback because he's going to be fully cleared long before – Purdy is, and you can't just sit around and hope that Purdy's going to be good and, and really kind of just think as, as Lance is a placeholder right now. They have to consider Lance the starting quarterback, and uh, you know, and he is until he's not. You know, Purdy's still going to have to step in there and play how he was playing to close out this season uh, in order to be ushered back into that role, especially after a significant injury. Um, what, one of the great points that Steve Young brought up that, that I haven't brought up on purpose yet because it was such a good point that I wanted to give Young credit for was both Lance and Purdy have the personalities to allow this situation to fully develop and mature into something that yields the best results for the 49ers. You know, neither Lance or Purdy have what Young described as a toxic personality Neither are like that. Both of them are humble, down-to-earth, um, low-key, at very least in the public eye. And it seems like they both have the personality, perfect personality, to let this situation play out and l- compete with each other while also helping each other. It, I could just see these two really pushing each other to both be better and to improve in, in, in a way where you know, yes, I'm in competition with this guy, but we're here together. We're going to have to do this together. There's a, a chance that we could both be playing in the same season, given the 49ers luck at quarterback. I'm going to knock on this uh, this desk for you again. There you go. But I thought that was a great point from Young, just bringing up the personalities of the two and how well it looks like they can coexist. And it should put the 49ers in a solid position where these two can one back each other up when one has been named the starter or when one has the edge. It just seems like it's a situation that should, if all injuries prove fully recovered from, it's a situation that should develop nicely for the 49ers with them having a, a starting quarterback that they're confident in 
and a backup quarterback that they're confident in as well. The last question that Young addressed was he was asked what his response was towards those loud minority of fans that somehow believe that Kyle Shanahan should be fired or should be on the hot seat, which I even brought that up in in our takeaways right after the loss. I think one of them was that Kyle Shanahan should be fired. And I, and I was like, on the contrary, this was Kyle Shanahan's best season. And you're talking about three NFC championship games in like four years. Like Kyle Shanahan is an elite head coach. It's that doesn't mean that he's without flaws. That doesn't mean that he's perfect. He obviously hasn't won the big game, but he's an elite capital E L I T E. You can put periods in between the letters. If that reinforces its importance, he is an elite head coach. And Young said the same thing. He said, you have to stop. You have no idea what you're talking about. Aim towards the people that say those things. If there's three or four geniuses in this league for this generation, Kyle Shanahan is one of them. If if Steve Young said if he could magically come back and play quarterback, yes, obviously he, he's a niner for life, but he said he'd want to play for this coach on this team in this offense. I mean, Steve Young, dude, think about his skill set in this offense. A lot like Brock Purdy, even more athletic with a bigger arm. You know, like Steve Young in this offense would be something to behold. When you watch how quickly Purdy took his place as like, it was almost like when Purdy stepped in, and it's not that he's perfect by any means, but it was like, wow, so this is, how Kyle wants to run this offense. You know, he wasn't, he didn't have additional quarterback runs because of, of Lance's skill set. You know, plays were kept alive with, it's just, you saw what, what I saw and the fact that Kyle Shanahan's offense was all of a sudden just like, wow, this shit is firing on all cylinders. Who would have seen this coming? And that's kind of, you know, to, if you want to envision Steve Young playing in this offense, my goodness. Um, leaving it off with a little bit of drama, Tim Kawakami of the athletic, um, great man. I know that he uh, loves to, uh, to hammer it out with, with folks on Twitter. And I think, you know, I'm sure some of you guys listening have, have been blocked by him, but, uh, I've spoken to Tim in person many times. He's a good dude. Uh, very low key, very down to earth. Um, but he, you know, he, he, he likes to, uh, he likes to antagonize a little bit and that's fine, but he reported that as the 49ers prepared for the NFC Championship game, I don't know the dates of when these things started to deteriorate, but he said that um, that the relationship between Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo started to uh, evaporate pretty quickly towards his his tenure, the end of his tenure with the 49ers as the 49ers, you know, push towards that NFC Championship. Again, there's no there's no dates. If you'd like to read more. Um, jump on the athletic, read Tim, Tim Kawakami's report. Um, but that, I mean, that, that that partly explains why when Kyle Shanahan was asked about the possibility of Jimmy Garoppolo being back or what the 49ers plan with him was, or if he saw any reality of him returning, that explains why Kyle was like, nope, don't see it. You know, I, I even before Tim's report, People were kind of taken back by that answer. Like, damn. Like, 
Kyle, and it was just straight to the point. And Kyle's always been straight to the point, but he was basically like, nope, don't see anything impossible of him coming back. That's it. And it was just very definitive. Not very tactful, which is fine. I, I don't give a shit. You say it how you want to say it. Say it with your chest if you're going to say anything. But that kind of explains that answer. There was another report, not even a report, just a mention of how quickly Jimmy Garoppolo left the locker room on the final, final cleanup day when a lot of players just make themselves available to the media in the locker room. Um, the 49ers will let the media into the locker room, and as players are cleaning out their lockers and getting their stuff, um, they'll they'll talk to media. And, and, you know, so many of the 49ers are great at that. But a, Jimmy Garoppolo was nowhere to be seen. Somebody saw him leaving right as the doors opened, and that kind of just, like, adds a little bit to the – and I'm not – and even in the slightest questioning Tim's report, I'm saying that it adds a little bit to the believability or the credibility or the likelihood of all this happening because of just the way it all went down. It's just putting Tim's report with Kyle Shanahan's comments with Jimmy Garoppolo um, disappearing in a puff of smoke, you know, and all you hear is the door shut behind him. You hear you you heard Jimmy Garoppolo's car start before the door shut type of deal. So, I mean, that's interesting. It's, it's not really, uh, you know, I'm sh- if, if you had to take a guess as to why that could possibly be, you start putting more things together. The 49ers never put Jimmy Garoppolo on the injured reserve, which means they thought there was a decent possibility that he would be um, able to come back for some type of postseason run, uh, which the 49ers had. Obviously, they ended up being a position where they could have very much used his services, but you know, you talk about Jimmy Garoppolo probably wanting to be fully healthy for the start of the new league year, which is in March. You know, he wants to be able to work out for teams and get that big deal that he seems like in line to get. Kyle Shanahan probably wanted Jimmy Garoppolo to rehab in a way that would have him ready for if they needed him during the playoffs. And whether that was realistic or not, I can't remember where I saw it. I want to say it was from the boys at 95.7. They had on a doctor that essentially said, like, for. Jimmy Garoppolo to have that injury and that surgery and be ready for the playoffs is 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 not realistic. It, it was not a realistic expectation. So if I was just taking my guess and not reporting anything at all, based just taking Tim's report and everything that happened, my outright guess would be that Kyle Shanahan wanted Jimmy Garoppolo to rehab in a way that would put him in position to come back for the playoffs and no matter you know maybe those were unrealistic risk expectations from Kyle um whereas Garoppolo was probably going about his rehab as if his season was over and he needed to be ready for this to work out for teams at the start of the league year purely a guesswork but you can really put two and two together and just kind of see how that situation may not have the happiest of endings do I do I think it even matters? No, not really. Could the 49ers have used Garoppolo there when uh, Brock Purdy went down? Of course they could have, but that's not the reality we were living in. And again, um, from the, the, the that clip, and I, again, I think it was 95.7 of a doctor saying like, that's not really realistic, kind of just says, you know, maybe everything was deteriorating for everybody. Not in a relationship way, but just, you know, things obviously didn't end the way they wanted them to. It, it, you know, it just doesn't lend to a lot of sunshine, rainbows, and flowers. That's all I'm saying. 
the reports you're going to hear, you know, after the 49ers lost due to another quarterback injury from an, about another quarterback who had a lot of injuries in his time with the 49ers and was injured as the team imploded in the NFC Championship game. I really just don't see a lot of pleasantries being exchanged when it comes to just that whole scenario. You know, it just seems the whole thing was negative. There's probably some rumblings, growlings, and shit that's going to come out of a building that that had to tolerate a loss like that. You know, and and probably to to end this podcast, I think that's going to be one of the biggest challenges for the 49ers heading into next year is pulling themselves up to the level that they were this year and not allowing a loss as heartbreaking as that, where you were essentially helpless to remove any you know, of the drive that they had, you know, because they, the 49ers have come so close so many times that that starts to take it out of you. You know, it can fuel you. It can provide motivation. We all saw George Kittle standing there in the, in the shadow of defeat at the Super Bowl saying, I will be back here. And I still believe him, but it takes a special type of person to do nothing but harden when adversity continues to break against you like a wave, you know? So, can the 49ers rise up again and be the team they were this year and again make a push for that trophy? So and I think that's one of this team's biggest challenges. You know, you're going to have some roster turnover. You're going to have a coaching change, a major coaching change on the defensive side of the ball. But in the end, to me, the shadow of losing the NFC Championship game again in a, in a, in a, in a way that was so heartbreaking may take a toll on this team. Understandably so. Understandably so. So I, I I don't know how that will manifest itself, but I will be looking for just anything out of, you know, I guess there's not really anything I can look for, especially when it comes to the beginning of the year because this team continually underperforms during the beginning of the year anyways. But I'm just, I'm that that's in my mind, I guess is the best way to put it. How do the 49ers respond to such a tough loss? You know, do they have, and I think they do, do they have the personalities in that building to say, fuck this, we're going all the way this time? I think they do. Sorry for the language. If your kids were in the car, I apologize. This is my bad. Anyways, I love you guys. Look, I called it. I told you this might be a short, quick podcast. And here comes 45 minutes. So I am full of shit. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, I'm much more long-winded than I think I am. I have a, a distorted mental view of myself. So if you're still here, if you're still listening, I appreciate you. You know this. You know this. You know. If there's one thing y'all know, it's how much I appreciate everybody listening to the pod. Thank you for listening. Um, we will be back on here next week. Uh, I think at that point, I, I thought I was going to do it this week, but enough news came out to where I felt like this was more appropriate. Um, I still want to break down the the 49ers roster in its current state, who they're losing, who they should try to keep, who may be around the league they might try to bring in. But uh, the 49ers are not going to be huge buyers this year uh, just because of the contracts they have to dole out, namely uh, Nick, um, defensive player of the year, like Lee Bosa. So... We'll break down a little bit of roster madness, a little bit of the, this and that. And uh, we will uh, be back on here doing that next week. So 
all good things must come to an end. I appreciate you. I love you. Thank you for listening to another Striking Gold. But you already know what it is. You know where you are. You know that I'm Rob. And you know that we are signing out. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.